0: Welcome back to A Dragon Tamer's Fable. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, please do. This is a full-length novel, and you're going to get lost if you don't start with the prologue. In Chapter 22, Seb learned of his grim fate, and the Cayenne landed at the Deere Mountains. In this episode, Chapter 23, the battle against the Nin finally occurs. This is also the last content warning I'll be posting for the series. There's violence and gore in this chapter, so listener discretion is advised. Alright, let's dive in. Soldiers were tossing pre-wrapped bundles of kindling into the mouths of the mountain. There were multiple entrances, no more than caves to the undiscerning eye. Lines upon lines of foot soldiers stood at the base of the tallest mountain. They were fortunate enough to have an expansive plateau before the foothills began. The Cerulus Plains. Having arrived when they did, they had no need to worry about fighting from lower ground. They simply needed to smoke out the Nin, who would be disoriented and confused, and slay them. The Cayenne dragons stood behind the rows of foot soldiers. The Tamers dismounted, standing before their dragons. Seb was being forced by a small group of council members to make a speech before the final call to arms, when the kindling would be lit. The orange stood together with their dragons, and Arthur, as well. He was one of the people assigned to Seb for extra security. As Sebastian huffed and mounted Nocte, flying over the group to the front of the foot soldiers, Zan turned to Somer and gripped her gloved hand tightly. Dragon stood at the ready to ignite the wood piles. Seb stayed atop Nocte, ready to make his address. Somer, Zan started, but Seb started to speak. Nocte stamped the ground impatiently. He was a magnificent creature, easily one of the largest dragons in the entire army. He swished his tail and reared his proud head as his tamer spoke. "'My brothers and sisters, today we head into battle against the Nin. By our valor and strength, this battle will be remembered throughout the ages, as those of Tia, Niz, and Cayen have been.' His voice was clear and powerful." carrying over the thousands of silent soldiers. Today I impart upon you the greatest advice ever given to me. Conquer your fears, for if you let your fear of the enemy consume you, they have already won. He unsheathed Jackakor and Nocte dug at the black earth with a mighty paw. Lend me your strength, your honor, and your courage, so that no one may stand in our way. With an earth-shattering roar from Nocte. Battle cries rose up from the soldiers, and the kindling was lit. Zan squeezed Summer's hand, and while speaking quietly, could still be heard by several of his teammates. Please don't think I'm saying this just because of the battle. Because, Summer, I love you. Kirk promptly put on his helmet at the declaration, and Garde casually walked a few feet away. I know it's wrong to act like we might not make it. Just in case we don't. Xan's voice wavered with emotion. Sommer went on her tiptoes and kissed him. Shh. I love you too, Xan. Tell me again once this battle is over, hmm? Alice nudged Vivin and he looked down at her. Her blue eyes sparkled. You aren't going to get all mushy on me, are you? Vivin's dark eyes were filled with quiet emotion. You already know I love you, Allie. Alice blinked at his solemnity. Griff muttered something under his breath with an exasperated sigh. He turned to Oraini. Well, I might as well tell someone I love them, too. You aren't going to hit me, are you? Oraini smiled at him affectionately. No, I love you, Griff. He blushed in surprise, and she added, You're the closest thing to an annoying little brother I've ever had. He laughed and gave her a one-armed hug as best he could with their armor on. Seb returned, and they showered him with praise for his speech. You can tell he's been practicing that one in front of the mirror, Griff teased. Seb laughed and dug his helmet out from his bag. So, what now? We wait? Vivin nodded, gazing at the dark, ominous mountain. We wait." As the kindling burned inside the mouth of the caves, dragons flapped their wings to force the smoke far inside the tunnels. There was no coverage for the Cayenne, nothing to hide behind. The forest was ten minutes away on one side, and sheer cliffs waited for them at the edge of the Cerulus Plains. Their best hope was to slaughter the slow trickle of Nin as they escaped the smoke. The cayenne waited for ten minutes without any movement whatsoever. The soldiers began to feel restless. While Alice was speaking with Art, Seb asked Vivin, Are you excited or nervous? Vivin shifted his weight from one foot to the other. Oh, a bit of both. They were both silent for a moment. Vivin perceived that Seb was hiding some anxiety. But, you know... He caught Seb's eye and smirked. Killing is what I'm best at. Seb barely had a chance to smile before shouts from the front line caught their attention. Things were going to pick up quickly. Seb turned to Vivian. Can you promise me that if I don't make it, Seb... Promise me, he forcefully continued, his honey-brown eyes gravely serious. That you'll tell my mom and Fauna that I love them. Vivin lost his voice and couldn't answer. Enemy soldiers were pouring out of the caves. Everyone around them put on their helmets and drew their weapons. I'm not putting this on, Seb held his helmet in front of him, until you promise me. Vivin mumbled, I promise, and Seb quickly put on his helmet and grabbed Dracocor's hilt. The Nin weren't acting as confused and disoriented as they hoped. They were fully armored and ran at full speed toward the Cayenne. Black Eye soared above, and Cayenne archers shot their arrows. It was quickly met by arrows released from the enemy tamers above. The Cayenne lifted their shields above their heads to protect themselves. In a matter of minutes, the Cayenne were surrounded by enemy tamers. They blocked off access to the cliffs and the forest. They had nearly as many dragons as the Cayenne. Vivin cursed under his breath as the first flamethrower was launched. Warfare erupted over the plains. The dragons were brought in immediately by the Black Eye. There would be no etiquette in this battle. There was still no sign of the dark leader, Corposus. With the enemy soldiers flooding out of the mountain faster than the Cayenne could slaughter them, their plan began to fail. They didn't imagine a scenario where the Black Eye would surround them. Mercifully, with the planes only stretching so far, and there being so many soldiers, the dragons scarcely used their flamethrowers. There was too much of a risk of their own side being incinerated. Seb's sword slashed through the weak points in his enemy's armor. The silver plating of the Cayenne was scattered across the field. It was more easily visible compared to the dull iron of the Nin. Though there were just as many fallen Nin... It made the Cayenne's losses seem greater. Kirik and Garday fought side by side as much as they possibly could. The nin didn't stand a chance against the pair. Garday's war axe chopped through the thin iron armor like soft cedar wood. Kirik's mallet, powerfully swung, dented enemy helmets, and with another swing, their skulls. Vivin's sword was knocked away by a mercenary. No sooner had it left his hand... Then he armed himself with two razor-sharp daggers, swiftly executing his opponent after kicking him in the chest and slicing his neck. Vivin threw off his helmet, hating how restrictive it was. He kept his male coif lowered so it wouldn't get caught in his bun. The dragons fought each other without mercy. Battling in the sky, a black-eyed dragon ripped a wing off of a cayenne and tore into its soft belly as it crashed into the ground. The weakest point of any dragon was their underbelly, and under their arms. Their scales were thinnest there, and both the tamers and the dragons were aware of the weakness. Lances and pole arms were used to stab the soft, fleshy points of the powerful creatures. So many of the dragons were in their primal state. Seb fought equally hard mentally as he did physically. For the Cayenne, he attempted to soothe heartbroken dragons as their tamers were slain but he struggled to do so while battling himself. Nocte never strayed far from his human side. Seb cast off his helmet long ago. Like Vivin. it had restrained his field of vision too much to be beneficial. He kept his chainmail coif on to offer him some protection. He was aware of Arthur being near, and Vivin as well. The others assigned to him for protection he didn't know well enough to recognize. A dragon roared in pain, and Sebastian whipped around instinctively. Two Cayenne dragons were ripping into a black eye. Their talons ripped through the feathered dragon so much more easily than Seb would have thought possible. Indigo feathers and crimson blood were trampled under their paws. Seb! Vivin shouted. He turned around in just enough time to see his mentor stab a nin soldier in the side of his neck, no more than a foot from himself. Vivin kicked the limp soldier to regain his sword and growled, Focus, Seb, or you're going to get yourself hurt. He executed another bandit with two swift chops of his blade to her neck. The older warrior didn't so much as flinch as her body hit the ground. Seb! Vivin exclaimed as the young man stood frozen. Come on, pick up your feet! Seb shook his head to clear his thoughts and rejoined the fight. At some point, Art and Seb separated themselves from Viven. He tried his best to relocate them, but through the confusion and flurry of weapons, he couldn't see them. He had no sooner thought to summon Kaylee when a dragon was knocked out of the sky and barreled into him, throwing him to the ground. He hid his head off of an iron helmet, and the world went dark. Alice had been tirelessly slashing through her enemies now and again checking over her shoulder for Vivin. He had been near her a moment ago. Alice jogged through the dueling pairs as a light drizzle of rain began to fall. Where in the name of Kyan was he? Zan and Griff had been inseparable the entire fight. Somer was off somewhere with O'Reini, and Zan couldn't get her off of his mind. He was constantly wondering if she was alright, or if he'd find her trampled on somewhere. He smashed his buckler into a nin, and Griff slashed his sword at the man's throat. "'Another one down!' Griff cried and ran forward with vigor. He kicked at another soldier, and Zan shook his head while watching his younger twin. "'Hey!' Kyrick shouted from behind, and he and Garde joined the young man. They fought back-to-back like they had trained. No one could sneak up on them. Griff continued to pounce on enemy soldiers solo. Alice was growing worried. She called to Ember and had her dragon risk flying overhead to locate Vivin. The navy blue dragon was unable to continue when several archers began launching their arrows at her. Alice didn't want to call out his name. She didn't want him to hear and think she was being childish. Suddenly, she saw a man with shining cayenne armor propped up against another's still body. Vivin! She cried out and ran to him. Alice dragged off the dead Kayan soldier that was leaning against Vivin. He was bleeding from a deep cut high on his right temple. His face still had color, so Alice controlled her panic. "Vivi. Vivi, come on. Wake up, please." She shook his armor, and he didn't stir. Rain was starting to bead on his motionless face. "Vivi, please. Come on." Alice was very near to tears when she cupped his cheek with her gloved hand. Vivin. He coughed and jerked awake, sitting up quickly. He nearly knocked into Alice, who was breathing a sigh of relief. You aren't crying over me, are you? Vivin's deep, pleasant voice teased. I'm not crying, Alice protested, though a single tear slipped down her grimy cheek. Vivin grunted and stood up stiffly. How many concussions does this make? Alice laughed shakily. One more and I'll have to start playing memory games with you. Vivin gave her a quick kiss and immediately asked where Seb was. After two solid hours of battle, a new dragon emerged from the mountain range pale and sickly in color, and its tamer was clothed in black and wearing a hood. The dragon hovered near the mountain, and they watched the battle below quietly. In another instant, a familiar dragon shot out from behind the jagged sides of the rock face. Prince Leo and Kruor! The red-scaled dragon flew toward the pale dragon with incredible speed. The pale dragon lifted its wings and roared wickedly, and Kruor halted hovering next to it. The prince was adorned in his royal armor, as if he had packed it when he left over a week ago. He didn't attempt to harm Corposus, and he didn't attempt to join his troops below either. His soldiers glanced up at him in confusion. What was he doing? Sebastian fought his way towards the base of the mountain. He needed to reach Leo, and in order to do that, he needed to mount Nocte. There were too many people and too many bodies for the dragon to land where he was. Seb pushed through the raging crowd, working his way to an open area near the cave mouths. He stopped dead in his tracks. A tall nin soldier was fighting several feet in front of him. Not just any soldier. A general. A general whose face Seb could never forget. He gripped Dracocor's hilt and strode forward. Sang Tayaz, He shouted with such authority that the bandit turned to him. He stared at him without recognition. Who in the underworld do you think you are, addressing me like that? He snarled, striding to meet Seb. I'm Spirialor's son, the man you slew outside of Deep Creek ten years ago. Seb stood at equal height to the grizzled bandit. He wasn't a little boy anymore. Now, he could exact his revenge fully. There was a faint glimmer in his eyes. Spiri Alor. They stood nearly toe-to-toe. No soldier dared to touch them. Sangtiaz's black armor was shone to a polish. The symbol of the nin was embossed into his breastplate. The wily egg thief. I remember him well. His dark eyes glinted, and he stepped back, raising his broadsword. "Are you going to beg for your life like your father did?" My father didn't beg," Seb spat, gripping Drakokor's hilt and holding it at the ready. "I know. I was there, and now," he growled, "I'm going to do what I've been dreaming of this last decade." Seb ran forward and slashed down at the general. Every attack he launched, the bandit deflected. sang pressed Seb backward, having years of experience on his side. Sebastian wouldn't give up. He had spent the last year fighting Garde and Vivin, who were not only taller than him, but stronger. Seb kicked the general's knee at a downward angle, and sang faltered. Seb raised his sword to make the final blow, when with alarming speed the general recovered himself and drove his sword into Seb's chest with all his strength. But he wasn't fast enough. As he drove the sword into Seb's chest, the young man stabbed Sanctiaz in the eye. The nin soldier bellowed in pain, and as he attempted to free his sword from Seb's chest, the tip snapped off inside of Seb's armor. Sebastian took a mighty swing and sliced through the general's neck. One swing wasn't enough. Another! Sanctiaz's bloody head thudded to the desecrated ground. Arthur ran up behind him and tried to inspect Seb, but he shrugged him off. His emblazoned eyes were now fixed on Corposus, who continued to hover above on his pale dragon. Sebastian ran through the crowd and ignored Arthur's shouting. Nocte landed at the edge of the warring crowd and Seb mounted the saddle. Before the black opal dragon could lift off, Prince Leo made his move. Kruor's powerful flamethrower blasted the dark tamer and his dragon. The battle below quickly halted to watch the spectacle. Corposus protected himself with an impressive shield, black as night. It was crafted from onyx, and its name was Faustanon. The shield was forged in response to Dracocor. No matter how many blows the shield took, it would remain intact. And it was no different with Kruor's flamethrower. The pale dragon was blown backward, but no more than that. The attack was brushed off, and Prince Leo lifted his steel-tipped lance. He hadn't expected Corposus to shrug off the attack. Kruor blasted forward, and Leo raised the lance. Sebastian and Nocte had never seen a spray of blood quite as profuse as when Corposus' greatsword split through the prince's neck. Leo's attack had missed and Kruor was unable to stop herself mid-flight. The force of the dragons slamming into each other paired with a swing from Corposus's sword nearly sent the prince's handsome head rolling. The pale dragon twisted around and snapped his jaws around Kruor's neck, throwing her into the ground with extraordinary force. That was when Nocte lifted off. The stomachs of every Kayan soldier plummeted further. Their prince was slain, And now the Great Tamer was on a suicide mission? Nocte's massive wings created an updraft below from the Force. Nocte tossed his head as they neared the darkly clad Tamer. "'What is it?' Seb asked. "'He's... he's communicating with me.' Sebastian was shocked, but this was no time to ponder. "'Shrug it off. You know the plan. Destroy the shield.' Nocte responded by sending a white-hot flamethrower at Faustanon. Seb had been doing research in the library while they waited for the prince's non-existent return. He knew of the shield Faustanon, and he knew no blade could defeat it, not even Dracocor. The flamethrower ceased, but that wasn't the end of their attack. Ready? Seb shouted to his dragon. Go! Nocte parted his jaws again, and to everyone's amazement, a thick, sparkling ice beam shot out. This was one of the special abilities the Council had first asked them about. Corposus raised his shield to protect himself. The ice completely encased the superheated object. No one moved a muscle in the crowd. It crackled sharply, and Nocte let out an earth-shattering roar. The weakened shield shattered into a million pieces and rained down on the soldiers below. Nocte took the tamer and dragon duo's moment of shock as his opportunity. He surged forward and tore off the pale dragon's helmet and gouged out his dark eyes. The dragon shrieked horribly and dropped out of the sky. Corposus wasn't expecting any of this. He had no time to grip the saddle. As his dragon plummeted towards the ground, His body hung in the air for only an instant, but an instant was all that Sebastian needed. He was already crouching on the saddle. He raced along Nocte's neck and threw back his coif. He leapt from Nocte's head, and Dracocor glinted in the dim sunlight. Just as Corposus's body began to fall, Seb slashed at the Dark Tamer's exposed neck and had his sword follow through. It sliced across the iron armor as if it were nothing, and glided into the man's heart. His own blood rained down on him as his body smashed into the ground below. Nocte swept underneath Seb as he had done in practice hundreds of times before. In this battle, the Great Tamer was both victorious and a survivor. The cheers were deafening as the duo landed, but the fight continued on. The Nen generals refused to go down easy. If they had to die, they would die with some honor. Escape was difficult for the foot soldiers. They had only the dense forest to flee through. Mountains and cliffs met them on the other sides. Vivin, Art, and Alice ran up to Seb as he landed near Carposus's crushed body. Seb! That was incredible! Vivin exclaimed and placed his hands on Seb's shoulders proudly. His eyes were instantly drawn to the deep gouge mark in Seb's armor, directly above his heart. Are you okay? I'm fine, Viven, Seb said, sheathing Dracocore. You're sure? Did it pierce the skin? It's not bothering me, really, Seb assured. Now come on, we need to rescue the princess and retrieve the crown. There's no time to waste. Art looked back over his shoulder at the battle that was still raging, The bandits were determined, at least at the moment, to continue fighting. Art, you stay here. It'll be easier with just the three of us. But I was assigned to protect, he started to protest. There's no need for that. Alice and Vivian, come on, Seb urged impatiently. He was already running toward Nocte. Vivian wondered how Seb could speak so confidently, as if he knew where everything was that they were looking for. With a quick nod to Alice, Kaylee and Ember were summoned, and they followed after Nocte. The black opal dragon wove between the deep valleys of the mountains. The drizzle of rain continued as they dismounted outside of a cave opening. This way, Seb shouted, running ahead. Alice and Vivin raced after him, their metal armor clanking as they did. Seb, how do you know where to go? Alice asked. Demanding an answer, the tunnel was dark and dimly lit by torches on the walls. It was comfortably wide and tall for humans, but definitely not for dragons. They could see the path ahead branch off. Cruor, Seb replied, slowing to a brisk walk. She spoke to me just before she and Leo launched their attack. She told me everything I need to know for the moment. Where the princess's room is, and the cavern where the crown is. We'll retrieve the princess first. Her life is more important than the crown. Seb was speaking quickly over his shoulder, and while everything he said made sense, they were unsure of the finer details. More importantly, how many soldiers were guarding the princess and the crown? They strode down a gloomy hall with wooden doors lining either side. It was a mountain fortress after all. This was definitely where the Nin had been staying to build their army. Ready, Vivin? Seb grinned in spite of the situation. We're going to have to force the door open. Oh, goody, Vivin grumbled. Seb halted with a sudden look of concern. You're bleeding pretty badly. Are you alright? It's just a scratch, Vivin dismissed. He had to blink blood from his right eye, but the pain wasn't bothering him. They resumed walking. His adrenaline rush was lasting long enough that he wasn't suffering any symptoms from the concussion. Though, who knew how long it would last? It's this one. Seb stopped in front of a door and took a few steps back. Ready? Vivin nodded and they threw their shoulders against the wooden door. It thudded, but it didn't break. Another slam against the door and they heard a creak. It was painful. "'throwing themselves against it in their armor. "'But if the princess was behind it, nothing would stop them. "'Another smash into the door, and the lock broke, "'and the men stumbled inside. "'The room was dimly lit by a lone candle. "'There was a single bed, of course, no windows, "'and a woman sat on a chair near the candle. "'A book was in her lap, "'and she stared at them in apprehension and shock.' Seb walked over, a bit unsteadily, as he recovered from breaking down the door. He offered his hand. Sebastian Allor, it's a pleasure to meet you. Are you Princess Felista? She nodded, still startled. Seb prompted his hand with a friendly smile. Leo sent us. We're Cayenne Tamers here to rescue you. With faint hesitation, she placed her hand on his gauntlet, and he pulled her up from the chair. Come on. He led her out of the room, followed by Alice and Vivin. Sebastian was handling the situation with such authority that the two captains obligingly followed. The princess attempted to keep pace with Seb, but he noticed she wasn't fit for that speed and slowed. He wished he had the time to escort her properly, even carry the princess out of the dreaded mountain, but he needed to retrieve the crown before the Nen soldiers ran off with it again. ''Are you alright?'' Seb asked over his shoulder, still leading her at a clip. ''I have been locked in there for several weeks. I'm unused to movement,'' she replied softly. She had a trace of an accent. There may have been poor lighting, but he could tell she was exceptionally beautiful. Her skin was fair, and her cheekbones were high, and her black, curly hair fell past her shoulders.' He wasn't surprised the prince fell for her. As soon as we have the crown and we've returned to our dragons, you can rest. I promise. His honey-brown eyes met her violent ones for a brief moment, and she believed him sincerely. The cavern isn't too far ahead now. Out on the battlefield, the Nin fought viciously to stay alive. Their ruler was dead and their generals were few now. Still they persisted, and the dragons fought mercilessly on either side. Kirik, Zan, and Garde managed to stay together. Griff was always within view. They weren't certain of Orrani and Somer's position, but they saw their dragons in the sky from time to time. Gentle rain fell down upon them, slipping down their silver armor. The dragons stamped on random soldiers, and blood sprayed across the pebbled ground. A sudden gut-wrenching cry made all those nearby pause and stare. Griff! The shout carried across the battlefield. Kirk whipped around and tackled Zan, who had made the cry. Griff! The crowd of warriors watched as a Cayenne soldier was burned alive by a black high dragon, and someone called out to him. GRIFF! Zan screamed, struggling violently against Kirik. Tears streamed down his face as he watched his twin brother drop to his knees, enveloped in a searing flamethrower. GRIFF! GRIFF! Zan attempted to tear himself away from Kirik, who clung to his waist and grunted hoarsely, Stop, Zan, or you'll get yourself killed! The young man let out an anguished cry, Ah. and Garde grabbed him as well, desperately trying to keep Zan from the flames. Zan and Griff's dragons descended on the Black High Dragon and ripped into its back, and snapped their jaws down on its neck. Their snarls were the only thing heard by the nearby crowd. Griff's body, no longer held up by the force of the flamethrower, crumpled to the ground. No... Zan screamed in such heart-rending pain that Kyrick released him. Zan tore over to his brother and dropped to his knees. Griff was no longer recognizable. His skin was seared red and crisped to charcoal. Only a thin layer of burnt flesh clung to his exposed bones. Griff. Zan choked unable to wipe his tears away with his metal gloves. He trembled with grief. "'The younger one isn't supposed to go first, you idiot!' he shouted in anguish at the corpse, sobbing uncontrollably. Some of the nin foot soldiers took the opportunity to run off into the forest. The kyan near the scene lost the will to battle, but the nin clutched their swords and resumed the fight. Kurik and Garde grabbed Zan under his arms and half led, half dragged him away. He couldn't stop his tears and could barely lift his legs. Kurik and Garde were silent, though truly heartbroken. Seb held a gloved finger to his lips as the small group pressed themselves against the black wall of the tunnel. A spacious cavern opened in front of them. Torches burned along the walls and faint outside light trickled in through thin cracks in the craggy ceiling. No one was in the cavern. No one, except a massive, scaled dragon, the shade of burnt umber. There was no way for the dragon to exit the cavernous room. It could be inferred that the dragon had been raised there, and brought its food. It slept on a pile of soft earth it used as its nest, with the Rhydonian crown at its muzzle. You've got to be kidding me, Alice breathed. Seb implored her to be quiet. I can guarantee you this dragon was raised for the sole purpose of protecting that crown. So I'm going to sneak in there and get it. You two wait here and cover me if I need it. You're joking, Vivian hissed, absolutely against the idea. It's an enemy dragon. It won't communicate with you. The more of us that go in there the more risk there is that will wake it up. And I don't know if I can get the crown if it does. I'm not trying to tame it. I'm trying to get in and out without waking it, Seb whispered, trying to convince his mentor. You are not going in there alone, Vivin growled. Seb glanced at Alice, who immediately looked away. He wouldn't be getting help from her in deterring Vivin. Fine, but stay back and cover me. And Alice, watch the princess, please. She nodded at that. Something must be wrong. There should be guards here. And if they aren't here yet, they will be soon. The men gave each other a grim look, and Seb and Vivin crept into the cavern. From the entrance to the far wall where the dragon slept, there was a distance of about one hundred meters. The cavern was longer than it was wide with a high ceiling and a few random outcroppings of stone for them to duck behind if things got hairy. This dragon was larger than Nocte, that was easy to tell, even with it curled up peacefully. Their armor jingled, it couldn't be helped. They couldn't take it off either, because if the dragon woke, they would have no protection. So Seven and crept as quietly as they could, though absolute silence was impossible. Seb motioned for vivin to stay next to a boulder nearest the dragon. They were across the cavern now, and only a dozen or so feet were left between the men and the creature. Seb tiptoed up the soft pile of soil the dragon was roosting on. One slip, and his armor would clank, and the dragon would wake. Sebastian was nearly within reach of the dulled crown. He need only reach out and take it! Suddenly, from across the cavern... There was a shout hey. and the clash of swords. A lazy guard had finally returned from his break and saw the princess's door busted in. He didn't have to go far to find the elf, and Alice slashed her sword at his throat. The elvish princess shied out of the way, pressing herself against the cavern wall. The massive dragon instantly lifted its head, and Seb snatched the crown, turning to run back across the room. Seb, come on! Vivin shouted. The dragon roared, and Seb leapt down the pile, slipping on the loose earth. The dragon snapped its jaws after Seb, and the Great Tamer drew Dracocore instinctively. The dragon lashed out with one of its giant paws, and Seb dodged, standing at the base of the pile. Seb, run! Vivin urged, racing back to Alice to protect the princess. Seb knew there was no escaping the brown dragon. It snarled viciously, and smoke seeped from its nostrils. He gripped Dracocor in one hand, and the crown in the other. The dragon lashed out again, waving its tail in anger. Seb jumped back, and its head shot forward, snapping at Seb's hand. He dropped the crown reflexively, and slashed at the dragon. The wickedly sharp sword split through the scales near the dragon's eye, and it shrieked in pain, pouncing on Seb. The Great Tamer was slammed into the ground. It placed one of its huge paws on the young man's armor, and Seb felt excruciating pain in his chest. He gasped, and the dragon bared its teeth and opened its jaws, ready to devour the young great tamer. Seb! Vivin cried out, dashing back across the cavern. The guard lay defeated at Alice's feet, though he earlier slammed the elvish princess into the wall and knocked the wind out of her. Vivin wouldn't make it in time, Seb's vision blurred, and he lifted Dracocore, planning to stab the dragon's eye as it lunged. It might not kill it, but it would at least give his friends time to escape. As the brown dragon arched its head back to strike, the ceiling gave way. Stones crashed into the cavern floor, and in the dull gloom of daylight, Nocte dove into the room and landed on the dragon's back. Nocte clamped his jaws down on the dragon's neck and ripped it away from Seb, who scrambled to get the crown and pull himself to his feet, sheathing Dracocore. The crunch of the dragon's scales as Nocte chewed on its neck was sickened. Seb's instinct to survive kicked into high gear. He joined Vivin, and they raced back to the mouth of the cave, narrowly avoiding the pelting rocks. Nocte, get out of here! Seb urged with Fox Draco. Or you'll be crushed! Go! Hurry! With one final, violent shake of the enemy dragon's neck, Nocta released it and flew out of the collapsing cavern. Alice and Viven supported the princess, who was weakened from not only being shoved into the wall, but her weeks in seclusion. I'll be damned if the underworld didn't hear that racket. We need to hurry, or we'll be swarmed by guards. Alice grit her teeth. Seb glanced down at the crown in his hand as they hurried back the way they came, towards the mouth of the cave. It was beautiful, crafted from silver and inlaid with gold and opal gemstones and rubies. This was what they were originally going to fight for. Not the princesses and princes' return, but the crown Seb held in his hand. It was in desperate need of a polish after nearly five years in an unpleasant environment. Sebastian couldn't ignore the pain in his chest. It was blinding. Something was plunged into the skin above his heart. He could feel it move with every step he took. He wanted to stop and dig it out. Alice and Vivian were a fair distance away from him now. When did they get so far ahead? He felt ill and broke into a sweat in the matter of ten seconds. He needed to stop. He needed to rest but the mouth of the cave was within view, leading to the open air and grey sky. The crown slipped from Seb's hand, and he dropped to his knees. With a cough of crimson black blood, the young man collapsed. Seb! Vivin left the princess to Alice and raced back to him. He rolled him over onto his back and saw his gravely pale face and the blood trickling down his jaw. Alice! We need to get his armor off! Alice immediately placed the princess against the wall and ran back to them, pulling off her gloves and fumbling with the straps and latches on Seb's armor. Seb! Vivin patted his cheek firmly, but the boy was deathly still. Vivin paused from removing the armor to check Seb's pulse. He pressed two fingers against Seb's throat and waited to feel a beat. It was so faint. Vivin wasn't certain he felt anything at all. They removed his pauldrons and gauntlets and finally unlatched his breastplate. With effort, Vivin held Seb up so Alice could lift the armor over his head. Vivin felt sick at the sight of so much blood on the young man. Through his chainmail, they could see his white undershirt was soaked completely scarlet. The tamers paled, and Alice went to lift the mail. Don't! Vivin exclaimed. You'll dislodge what's in his chest, and he'll bleed out! They couldn't determine what it was, but something was wedged deeply into the young man's chest. Vivin put Seb's arm around his shoulder and hauled him to his feet. The dead weight was painfully awkward. Seb was fully unconscious, and Vivin had to drag him toward the cave entrance. Alice picked up the crown and ran and helped the princess from the wall. The elf was even paler than before, no doubt from the sight of so much blood. Vivin Kelly's voice entered his mind. "'We have a problem.' What? Vivin asked, struggling under Seb's weight. Nocte's going in and out of his primal state. Vivin glanced at Seb's face, which was ashen. You're going to have to do something to calm him down. I've never taken another dragon out of- Kaylee, just do it! Fivin ordered as they neared the cave entrance. He could see Nocte stamping and throwing his head. Where is he? Nocte demanded. Give him to me! He snorted and shoved his head into the tunnel, startling the elvish princess. Alice kept her out of reach of the Black Opal Dragon, who couldn't fit into the tunnel. Give him to me! Nocte snarled, and smoke curled from his nostrils. Calm down! Vivin shouted, beginning to feel overwhelmed. If he couldn't reason with Nocte... If you don't calm down and smarten up, he'll die before he reaches Imperior. Nocte pulled back, huffing in an attempt to calm himself. Give him to me, please. I can get him back to Imperior faster than anyone else. Vivin shared a look with Alice, who nodded. Allie, follow us back with the princess and the crown. I'll have Kaylee tell the others we have them. Vivin pressed forward and blinked at the dull daylight. Nocte's chest rose and fell rapidly. The dragon was far from calm but he was Seb's best hope. Alice unstrapped Nocte's saddle and threw it over Kaylee's. She helped Vivin lift the young man onto Nocte's back, and he hopped on behind him. Seb was completely limp. Without Vivin, he would have slipped off of the dragon already. Seb's chainmail was slick with blood as Vivian wrapped his arm around him. It wasn't until Sebastian's head fell back onto Vivian's shoulder that the older tamer began to truly panic. To see someone who is normally filled with boundless energy be so terribly still and white as a sheet. Kaylee spoke his name to rouse him, and Vivin tightened his grip on the young man. Nocte ran forward and lifted off, and Kaylee followed close behind him. Ember, along with Alice and Princess Felicita, brought up the rear. But Nocte was fast. Even with the two grown men on his back, he outflew the other dragons. His connection with his tamer was so faint that Nocte struggled vehemently to keep his emotions in check. Sebastian needed him now more than ever. He could only hope he flew fast enough to save his human. Thanks for listening to Chapter 23 of A Dragon Tamer's Fable, and thank you for supporting the podcast so far. I hope you're enjoying it. If you are, please share, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcasts. To stay up to date on content, check out a DTF podcast on Instagram or Facebook. As always, feel free to email dragontamerpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts, so don't be shy. And if you haven't checked it out yet, a adragontamersfable.com is the website for the podcast. If you'd like to help out a Dragon Tamer's Fable, please check out the support tab. Until next time, keep slaying. Anything. But Dragons.